This is the Friday, October 13, 2023 version of the market analysis segment from Market to Market. The nearby wheat contract rose 12 cents, while December corn added a penny. A harvest in full swing, sales to destinations unknown, and hot and dry conditions in South America served to help rally the soy complex. The November contract rallied 14 cents, and December meal found 17.90 per ton. December cotton lost $1.16 per hundredweight. Over in the dairy parlor, November class three milk futures increased three cents. The livestock market was mixed. December cattle, they were up seven cents. November feeders put on 70 cents. And the December lean hog contract cut 408. In the currency markets, the US dollar index added 67 ticks. November crude, well, it gained 455 per barrel. Comex Gold rocketed $96 per ounce higher, and the Goldman Sachs Commodity Index added almost 24 points to settle at 598.15. Jeff and Don, hello to you. Elaine, we'll start with you. Okay. Your headline from Thursday from the reports was, which commodity? I think I'm going to say corn just because that's the one that everybody looks at. I mean, maybe just because it's the prettiest or certainly because it's the highest volume crop and it sort of serves as the proxy for the larger grain markets to to develop what sort of direction they're going to go at. And the USDA cut the yield number down to 173. So that that was a cut. I mean, I think that's what everyone expected or hoped to see. Let's say a market bull would certainly hope to see that after this droughty summer. I think market bulls are going to say it should have been cut more, but the USDA is going to work in a conservative fashion. So to see that cut did allow some bullish response on Thursday. I mean, in terms of actual one-day market movement, I think you'd say probably soybeans obviously had the bigger one-day movement, but note it was a one-day movement. We've had things go back down again here on Friday. Don, did anybody call you yesterday and complain about USDA? (laughs) Well, you know, I, (laughs) well, you know, not this report, but you know, and I, I know what Lee, Lee, Elaine is saying, but I really think the surprise in the report was all about the soybean market. Um, you know, corn, we have a, over 2 billion bushel uh, carryout, going to be hard to change that. The soybeans, the government, surprisingly, they're keeping the uh, ending stocks at 220. I think that's just because they believe that's the ending stocks. That's all, that's the uh, pipeline minimum. So I think the bottom line is the soybeans probably, and in fact all the grains, probably have hit a seasonal low, and that's what the report indicated. And soybeans are the upside leader along with soybean meal. I'm going to ask you about lows in a minute, but Jeff, I want to ask you, given listening about stocks and carry, did that get lost yesterday and that we had confirmation of a lower crop in your eyes? No, I don't think it got lost. I mean, the, the trade knows when the USDA lowers uh, the yield in September and then in October, it's very likely that they will do it again in November. And if you look at soybeans particularly, uh, the condition, which the USDA does base off a lot, uh, you would, I would argue that uh, you could see probably another half bushel reduction, if not a full bushel reduction uh, going into November on that soybean crop. So the trade knows that. Yes, we had a big move. Uh, we, we stalled out up there at $13, but we came into that report on a $1.50 slide. So uh, we're going to see here, the pipeline supply is going to be tight in these beans, and uh, the supply is going to be tight in all, all eyes on South America here. Don, there was a, a little conventional wisdom on the going into today. If corn could close over five, that might mean the low is in. And if wheat could have closed over 585, the low is in. Neither happened on Friday. So 
Do we have a low yet, and what will be the indicator of one? Well, I mean, I think the seasonally we have. I mean, the basis levels are starting to firm, and uh, end users are uh, starting to scramble a bit. Basis levels have started to firm. Corn market, the uh, ethanol people, the end users, also starting to try and to cover at these price levels. Can't do it. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing. Since uh, the beginning of August, we've basically have been in a five, $4.70 to $5 trading range. But, you know, I think, um, let's see, we get over five. There's a 525 and a half target gap on December corn. That's probably the upside with a 2.1 billion carryover yet. All right, Elaine, you get the first answer. Do you agree with that sentiment? No, I want to kind of play devil's advocate. and not, I, mean, I, I agree with you globally and long term, and I'm going to say maybe past January, once we finally get a grain stocks report that confirms my belief and, and I think maybe all farmers' belief that the crop just isn't there and the supply just isn't there. But I think between now and then, you've got a whole global market full of people who trade off of these, these numbers and are going to continue to do so. And so while you have, let's say, the dollar moving higher or sort of outside market doldrums, I believe it's possible for it to continue to linger or dwindle even lower. I mean, I do think it's possible for it to move lower. And we saw that on, on Friday, that it is possible for it to move more, at least on a day-to-day -day basis. Oh, yeah. I mean, you saw it this week. I mean, we weren't able to take out those big resistance levels. But from a, from a seasonal standpoint, I agree that, you know, seasonally harvest lows are in here. The low in corn hit September 19th. You know, you look back in the years past, that's ideal for us for a harvest low. And then beans, 1250 yesterday. So uh, even in a non-ideal year? Well, I, I mean, we'll have to see, but I, I just think that harvest lows have been scored here. You know, I think the big thing you have to look at is the, the big competitor is South America. I mean, between Brazil and Argentina, they're going to raise about double the size of the crop we are here. So in order for the market to significantly move higher, South America is going to have to have some weather problems. And by the way, it's an El Nino year after three La Nina years. So that means that we're supposed to be dry in northern Brazil, which it kind of is. I, I think you've all been on the show when we were supposed to be in El Nino years here. And it doesn't look like we've had it here yet. So do you still put stock in El Nino being a, a factor right now? Uh, yeah, fundamentally, sure. But I, you know, it just, it takes, I think, time sometimes for these markets to, to recognize the reality, right? We like to believe in efficient markets where, where all of the traders are, are coming in with their opinions and that they react instantly to, to, a, to a forecast. But I, I don't know, we just haven't seen it this year. I think it's gonna be, we're gonna have to wait. All right, Jeff, uh, let's finish up corn here. Let's look out a little bit. And I want to look out with uh, a question that came in. Uh, let's see, this one came up via Facebook. This is from Tim. And I want you to answer this with corn in mind. Okay. Is there anything that points to a to storing grain for a rally in corn? Oh, I, I absolutely does. I mean, we're actually in a carry market in corn and in beans. First time that we've seen that here in a while. So, uh, you know, we got about 70% sold. Uh, we're actually using this break that we've seen here off the summer highs to reown some of those bushels because we are looking for a postseason rally. But uh, absolutely, we're, we're looking for prices to move higher here. I'll let either of you answer it with another commodity in mind. Would you store any wheat or soybeans? Uh, well, go ahead. Lily. I'll just say, the, yeah, I mean, I would store with, with a bullish outlook. I mean, it's a speculation, but I would. But I'll just wait, make one comment that we are in a higher interest rate environment. And so now all of a sudden exactly. storing and actually deferring that income matters in a way that it didn't matter a year ago. Yeah, and I agree with Elaine. It costs about nine cents a month interest uh, right now, uh, nine cents a bushel on interest to carry soybeans a month. I mean, so it's not like it was a year ago. So it's a big change, Paul. So it's a different thing to think about now. Time is money. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I think, I think that's only been starting. I, I think you all have started bringing that up here in the last 
we'll say six to nine weeks. And moving forward with interest rates, we don't know. CPI, PPI, last week PCE, there's a little hesitation. There's some thought the Fed might still raise interest rates higher. So does that change your answer at all? No, but I, I think what you're going to see is a producer pick up the selling pace on uh, soybeans. But, you know, we're in a dangerous place right now as far as the soybeans, you know, believing if it can move lower or higher. Typically, if you look at our market in the spring, it's hard to go lower because we have a lot of issues, weather, this, that, and the other thing. And I think that's where we're at with South America. Argentina's in a drought. It's a precarious situation with demand way under the market. And China buying soft red wheat uh, here lately, that's a big deal, you know along with soybeans. Well, Elaine, with, with beans in the Chinese economy, again, this week, a couple of stories, it's still struggling Chinese economy. What does that do for the person who just finished harvesting beans right now and what they should be doing? Yeah, being, being careful. And, and you know, the one thing that we, we haven't touched on is the need for cash. I mean, some folks are going to need to sell one way or another just to raise some cash. But I want to pick up on what Don said about the Chinese wheat purchase. That was a big wheat purchase. And it is a reflection, again, that this is not just a North American market, certainly not wheat. I mean, it's the Australian drought. It's the drought going on in South America. All of these things are going to be able to move these markets. Uh, Wheat-wise, you want to you want to you want to do anything more on beans before we go back Sorry. to wheat? Sorry. I was going to just hit on wheat that you know it, it's not unheard of for China to buy U.S. wheat. I mean they buy two or three hundred thousand metric tons per year, but now we've had purchases now three weeks in a row, and they're they're triple normal amount of purchases right now. So it is a good sign. I mean we're down here at three to four year lows, so hopefully it keeps going. All right, that's the beauty of this panel. We can just go anywhere, except I have to think of the control room right now and get oh. us back on page. Let's go wheat, uh, Elaine, for, uh, let's go, let's start in order. Uh, Wheat-wise, uh, you mentioned, finally, again, finally the last yeah. couple of weeks we put on some positive news. Is this a blip? Or a trend? It might be a trend. And, and I think that, that echoes sort of the thought of the, the larger sector. And I'm sorry to frustrate you and the control room, but like <laughs> now I, now I want to talk about like corn and soybeans and wheat all together. So if China's buying, China's pretty good at, at doing this marketing thing. You know, yeah. if, if they're getting in there and seeing these prices as buying opportunities, and if everybody here at this table kind of feels pretty bullish about things, I mean, if you are in a situation where you are an end user, certainly a livestock feeder, you've got to think about these potential lows or the long-term potential for for bullish activity in the next few months and look at these as buying opportunities like China is. Okay, I could tell. I couldn't tell if you were both putting your heads up and down. Are you thinking we're bullish right now, Jeff? Uh, I'm not going to say bullish, but I, I mean, I'm just done being bearish with the wheat. I mean, they've okay. thrown everything at this market right now. So I, I'm, if, if I'm short, I got to make sure that I got calls up above, but I'm, I'm not short down here for sure. Well, if you really look at these markets, and that was the last report said, it was a supply bullish market and a demand bearish market. So we need to reach a point to move higher. I mean, I think we've, we've socked in low. You know, can we move how much higher is the question mark? And that's going to be dependent on the demand side of the market. And that's work in progress, Paul, as it always is. Demand is the story in, you know, Elaine wants to talk about three commodities. It's the story in all of them right now. Actually, add in cotton, too. I think cotton, the demand, like that's where you start to see the global demand really starting to fall apart, and that's cotton's problem. So as far as, yeah, global demand struggling, that. So you're saying just add cotton, in more no, and more commodities. They're this, following yeah. along fantastic in there. Uh, <laughs> so cotton, are you saying cotton has a demand issue? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I mean, clearly, yeah. But do you think then the other three grains that you mentioned are having, is the demand story positive or negative I, right now I'm, in your I'm eyes? I'm with Don. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I mean, we're, I think okay. we're on the cotton. I think we're trans- transitioning to we're, 
not being so bearish. I mean, well, the other thing that's going on is people, interest rates are higher. So people are more value conscious than they were before. In other words, you're not buying ahead and stockpiling because time is money. So I think that's part of what's going on. But China's still going to buy, what, 100 billion metric tons of soybeans. Mm -hmm. They're not leaving. It's a matter of who's going to fill that case. And that's going to be dependent on what happens in South America. Trust me. South America, uh, I believe, I'm going to get my regions wrong. One is wet, one is dry. Which commodity is impacted the most with South America moving Well, Argentina's forward? in a drought right now, and Australia's in a drought, so those two are wheat. Uh, Brazil is about, about 51% planted, or 52% planted on their first corn crop, and they're planting about 11% of the soybean crop right now. It's dry. You know, we work with some people there, and they're saying it's not last year. Last year they were getting timely rains. This year they're getting enough to maybe germinate in the north, and then in the south is too darn wet, Paul. So it's, it's this weather, we've seen it in the U.S. and around the world, it's hit and miss and goes fast. Okay. Jeff? All eyes on Brazil, 112 million acres that they're expected to plant here this winter. Um, you know, that will be uh, the biggest thing that uh, here, what our fundamentals look at. I mean, 220 million bushels is tight, uh, but not with a big crop down in Brazil. So all eyes there. All right. Uh, let's wrap up with beans. Do you feel deferred? Let's look next year, March, April, May in planting. Are you doing any sales for 24 yet? 24 down at 1250. No, I mean we've we've made a couple sales that were at higher prices. Again, I, I'm thinking here we're hitting a seasonal low right now. Uh, we're actually using this break to reown on paper some of our previous sales. Okay, Don, anything more on beans for you? Well, usually harvest isn't the best time to make new sales, Paul. Um, well, on the back to the soybeans in September, crop report were much tighter. Yields probably going lower. And we were, uh, the day of the September report, we were like uh, 1342 for a low and 1372 for a high. So you can argue that we need to go up 70 to 80 cents just to get back to where we started. Yes, Elaine, do you agree? Yeah, but I will also say, I mean, it's never wrong to sell if it's profitable. And actually, these are still technically profitable levels for a lot of folks. But I'll say one thing that, that like Jeff mentioned, these prices, it's, it'd be easier for folks to sell or to look years in ahead and start selling if the prices sounded better. I mean, we just have such an anchor of the last couple of years when things were so much better. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you had said five years ago you'd have a chance to sell 12.50 beans or $5 mm -hmm. corn, you'd be like, oh yeah, that sounds pretty good. But after last year's prices, now we're anchored so much higher and nobody wants to do it. So just, just a, a cautionary tale, just behaviorally to think about, you know, what is actually profitable and not just what was available six months ago or a year ago. Anything else, Jeff? Beans, corn? I, I just, yes, I second that. If it's profitable, I would never tell you to not sell grain, but I would definitely follow it up with, you know, some re-ownership on paper. Okay, let's move to livestock a little bit. Are we, we good on that? Can I, yep. I'll try to get consensus of the table here. <laughs> this is the most, uh, I think, out of control I think I've ever had this one. <laughs> this is incredible, I love it. Uh, Don, let's look at cattle because that seems to be tiny bit out of control with, with, with things that aren't normally talked about in the cattle market. It almost looks like it's a technical movement now. Do you concur? Well, you know, we've got everybody's in the same camp, you know, Paul. It's a cyclical bull market. We haven't had that since uh, 12, 13, 14. And so the trade wants to be bullish for another two years. I don't think it's that. I think it's back to the, the demand side of the market. You know, like we always say, nothing's enough if nobody wants it. So at what price 
um, you know, we, we're sputtering right here. Now, seasonally on cattle, you're supposed to buy cattle uh, basically uh, Friday uh, until the first week of uh, November. And it's just the opposite of the hogs. You're supposed to sell them. So you're in a little seasonal up on cattle, down on hogs. Elaine, what do you think about uh, technical fundamental movements in cattle market right now? I will defer to Don that, but I'll say that cash market this week was hot, hot, hot. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was up two to three dollars this week. Two ninety-two dressed, one eighty-five live. I mean, we're in a position now where uh, record high beef prices at the retail grocery store level, and it's just a question of whether or not we can make record high actual cash prices for those fed cattle. Are we to the point yet the consumer is going to step away from beef? Uh, we're not there yet, but I think it's, it's, it's soon. I mean, you had the former CEO of Walmart come out this week and say, in the first time in a decade, the consumer is starting to buckle. Uh, so the consumer is starting to tighten their belt, and obviously with beef prices where they are, there are much cheaper alternatives. Uh, so I think that will, that will break the back. Uh, how far we go down from there, we'll have to see, but it ha it's not happening yet, but I think it happens pretty, start, pretty soon. What do you think about the feeder market then? Big correction. We've come down here to support, uh, you know, rallying back with the corn going higher. Uh, you know, these are expensive, expensive feeder cattle. Uh, if you're filling up the pen, uh, we, we're just advising that you make sure you have downside protection locked in because $25, $30 move in feeders is not too big at these prices. Let's ask the cattle feeder at the table. You fill in the pen? I don't, I don't feed cattle, but I, I... You have to play along with the... Yeah, talk to Don about feeding I know, cattle. he's fed yeah. up too. But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I think we're looking at a fall run where, again, we're going to be setting maybe some record high prices, which can, which can be possible. I mean, I think folks can make it work for a quality level or a certain, you know, for, for certain plays. But 250 feeder cattle, I mean, that's what we're going to see as, as we start to see these calves come in. Well, and I was, I was looking in... Um, back to lower levels. I think the chart doesn't quite go back far enough, but Don, July lows, we were, we were close to that this week, right? On, on feeders, we've dipped back down. Do you think we're at a crossroads here? Well, you know, the thing about the feeder cattle, I mean, the numbers just aren't there, Paul. I think it was pretty impressive that the feeder cattle went up with the corn going up. Um, so I think we have a floor there just from the numbers. And I don't think it's so much that. I think it's what happens to the corn and then what happens with those defer hedgeable opportunities. Um, and those are work in progress. It's going to be tough for April cattle next year to go over 200. We tried, and it's just a tough number, I think. What about in the hog market this week? Uh, you know, the, you, you look at a, a sell-off uh, again, and again, it has just been up and down. Where are we headed? Well, the hog market's in a huge liquidation. I mean, uh, Packers making about $32 a head. The uh, vertical hog integrators losing about $20 a head. Um, We've been in this massive liquidation, and eventually, Paul, the liquidation should translate to higher prices next year, but the government says about 85 for all of next year. We're substantially higher than that, but um, December hogs running a $12 discount to the uh, cash right now. It's normally on par, so up front, a little cheap. Elaine, yeah. anything else on hogs? No, just exactly that. Is seasonally, that, that the futures market is looking at heading down towards December, probably low, bottoming out there at some point and then hopefully recovering. But yeah, I think in the near term, there's not a lot of hopeful signals from the market. Uh, I want to get to crude oil for a minute, Jeff. Um, what's going on in, in Israel, in Iran, in Gaza, in this area? Initially, there was this call that we were going to have $150 oil. Didn't come to fruition yet. Then the week progressed. How do you navigate what's happening globally and understanding what that means 
for us on the farm? Yeah, we came in Sunday, we spiked higher. Uh, we actually traded, crude oil traded lower all four days until Friday. We, you, you saw short covering come in. Nobody wants to be short crude oil going into the weekend because of the absolute uncertainty. Uh, I would just tell my clients that, you know, you put some call options up above here. Uh, if this thing wants to run another $15, $20 higher, uh, you know, that is a great hedge to stay in the game. So uh, it, it's certainly part of it is out of our control. Uh, but what we can control is if it wants to move higher, that call option can appreciate in value. Elaine, do you see anything from what's happened this week globally that we need to be paying attention to in a, in a market other than crude? No, and I think it's really interesting for, from the crude oil market exactly is, you know, I talked about an efficient market. If that market is really expressing uh, the outlook of what is truly going to happen, it's been remarkably quiet and calm, which would suggest that it might, you know, the, all the violence might be sort of contained in a certain region and not and not bring in everybody else. But of course, I don't know. We don't know. Nobody knows. But if the market knows, then so far uh, we're okay. But yeah, you got to you got to be aware and got to keep your eye on it. Don, is there one commodity that you were watching this week with the eye of what was happening? Well, I mean, I think if you look at it, now you've got issues in the Black Sea and the Middle East. And I think the problem with the uh, livestock market and the grains on Friday was everybody just wanted to get back to home base. I mean, there's something's going to happen probably over the weekend, you know, uh, in uh, uh, the Middle East, and we'll see what it is. But a very uh, interesting situation. I don't know if I've seen one like that in my years of trading. All right, let's close with this. We have one question that I want to bring in. I want to look ahead. I want to look to Scott in Wisconsin's question that he submitted to us via Facebook. This is looking to 24. Uh, Jeff, you kind of already had one of those, so Elaine, I'll start with you. What commodity do you see having the highest upside in 2024? Hmm. Uh, great trick question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, any of them... But, but let's say corn, even, because I think there is so much potential for, for the supply and demand, under, the understanding of that supply and demand picture to change. So from a percentage basis, I think a lot of the other commodities really haven't fallen apart in the way that, that our, you know, our core proxy corn has, and I think there is a lot of potential for that. Don, what do you like in 24? I'd say soybeans have the upside potential if South America has a problem, but there's going to be a huge acre switch from soybeans to, uh, or out of corn into soybeans. In South America, corn acres, our production is going to be down about 700 million versus last year and beans up 200 million. So I think that's a prelude to what happens here in the U.S., but I'd keep my eye on soybeans just because it doesn't take a, a lot to move the needle. Jeff, 24, what's uh, your big? You know, corn and wheat down here at multi-year lows. Um, you know, I'll go with corn, but at, at the same time, uh, you got to look at what we did in 23. I mean, look how short we were on rainfall and look at the yields that we are seeing. I mean, it's, it's not a record crop. It's, you know, eight bushels below trend line, but uh, those timely rains uh, have produced a very good corn crop and while it was very hot here in the United States. So I, I'd be careful on betting up to the top side, but... Uh, uh, we'll go with corn here right now. The only thing, though, that could be is we had some rain last fall that helped set us up in 23. Not sure we'll get that. We'll see how that forecast works out. Jeff French, thank you so very much. Thank you. Don, thank you. Thank you, Paul. And I have to apologize to Elaine because I stuck her with that tough question right at the end. Sorry, <laughs> no, without I, any warning. I, you know, we got, we got there in the end, Paul. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. Appreciate it. Thank you, all three. Great job, as always. Thank you. Uh, that is going to do it, but I do want you to hold it because we are going to pause this discussion. We have to keep going. 
because we have to talk about the discussion of these markets in our Market Plus segment. We've got a whole bunch of questions here. You can find analysis and plus on our website at markettomarket.org. And a reminder that our portability keeps you in the loop. This is how you do it. You subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thank you so very much for watching and have a great week.